Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to C4C Apologetics. I'm your host, Danny, and we got another interview today because it's Monday, and that's what we do on Mondays. We do interviews because you guys get tired of hearing from me, so you want to hear from key experts out there in the biblical field, and that's what we have today. Today, we have with us Dr. Tommy Ice. He's the executive director of the Pre-Trib Research Center. That's all I'm going to say about him. I'm going to ask Tommy to give a little bit more about himself, anything he'd like to share, ministries, and uh, Tommy, I just Thank you for being with us. Uh, what do you want to tell the folks about you? Well, I, I worked for 25 years with Tim LaHaye. He's the one that founded the Preacher Research Center, and I was the full-time guy with him on that issue. He, in fact, Tim LaHaye received an award from, uh, from uh, Wheaton mm, as the yeah. most influential Christian in the second half of the 20th century because he wow. had done so many things. Mm -hmm. and uh, things which I won't go over right now. But uh, so we have an annual meeting. Uh, we just had in December our 31st annual meeting where all these scholars and people come together and we discuss the preacher of rapture issues relating to that. And it's always a, a, a good time for two and a half days there. We have it's specifically academic oriented because there's plenty of non-academic prophecy conferences out there. <laughs> and uh, so just about everybody who's anybody in, in the pre-tribal world has been there over the 31 years. And uh, I was a pastor for 17 years. I went to Dallas Seminary and uh, back when it was fairly good <laughs> and uh, yeah, uh, and stuff. And I have three sons and two are in the ministry. Nice. Now, are you a military vet as well? I guess I'm a National Guard. No good, you know. <laughs> no good, NG. <laughs> the 15 years in the Army National Guard. Well, that's wonderful. I thank you for your service, Tommy. Today, what we're talking about, obviously, we got uh, the executive director of the Preacher Research Center, and this guy knows a wealth of knowledge as far as this topic is concerned more than me. And so what we're looking at today is the rapture. And so this is one, Tommy, today we're just going to settle the issue once and for all. I know it's been going around <laughs> for thousands of years, but I mean, can't you just give the answer and every, it settles the debate today? What do you think? Well, yeah, but uh, some people don't have ears that hear. Oh, <laughs> that's true. You're already pulling out scripture on me. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> so as we get into it, the first thing I want to really ask you and and I think there's really four main views uh, as far as when the rapture is going to occur. Now, there may be nuances within some of these views. Uh, what What are your thoughts? Are there three? Are there four? What are some of these main views people are uh, known for and what do they mean? Well, first of all, let me just say this. Uh, there's three basic views of eschatology known as amillennialism, meaning mm -hmm. We're in the millennium now. Uh, that's a Catholic view and uh, many Protestant views. Then there's postmillennialism, uh, which believes that uh, the church is going to bring in the kingdom over the years. And the majority, if not all, of humanity will be converted. There'll be a rebellion at the end. And then Christ will return after the long period of time of Christ's reign uh, through the church on the earth. Okay. But all these root views on the, so they don't have a view of the rapture. Okay. 
they just have the second coming. Mm. And uh, within premillennialism, there are at least four or five views. Mm-hmm. And and one is the pre-trib rapture, which we hold. That is that the rapture will occur before the 70th week of Daniel, which is the tribulation. Okay. And uh, the reason is, is because uh, the 70th week is the completion of God's plan relating to Israel, where, where he uses Israel as his instrument. That's why you have the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, the two witnesses, etc., Okay, then you have uh, mid-tribulationism. Mm-hmm. And as one of my professors at Dallas used to say, it's kind of like a guy that put on a blue top during the Civil War and a gray bottom and got shot from both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mid-trib view is is hardly anybody holds that view anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was developed after pre-tribulationism, by the way. Okay, And then you have what is called the pre-wrath rapture view, which is the three quarters rapture view basically. Mm. And uh, it was developed. uh, Can't think of the guy's name. Do you remember? um, What was it? uh, Rosenthal was an early influencer of that. Not. Yeah. Rosenthal was the champion of it, but he didn't come up with it. And uh, there was a guy who came up with it up in Michigan, a wealthy guy. Mm -hmm. And uh, he rejected pre-trib and he rejected post-trib, and so he had to come up with mediating view, and he came up with three-quarter rapture view, and uh, he was very wealthy, and I remember when I was a pastor, he sent out a, a book to all pastors and theologians and stuff, uh, a free book, and that, and he, then he paid for and started all these organizations to promote mm-hmm. it and stuff, and uh, had he not been wealthy, we probably never would have heard of that view. Yeah, huh. But then there's post-tribulationalism, which, as I say, before pre-tribulationalism came on the scene, everybody who was premillennial was post-tribulational because they simply, they didn't see two events. Mm -hmm. Or if they did, it would be what we call the yo-yo rapture, where you're (laughs) raptured right before the tribulation in order to come back down uh, at the second coming and stuff but basically the second view in church history to have developed was a pre-trib view just hmm. throwing that out i like that word picture the yo-yo rapture yes i, I see those in those diagrams but uh, so I, I, as far as these views are concerned i'm a pre-trib guy and one of the things i that resonates with me as far as pre-trib is concerned is the teaching and the understanding of what's known as imminency of Jesus Christ. Can you speak a little bit about that? What does the doctrine of imminence mean as far as uh, the rapture is concerned? And what did it, what does it tell us? Okay. The, the doctrine of imminency, I was going to read a statement here, but I think I lost it. Okay. But, uh, Well, it means that Christ could come at any moment. There's no intervening event that must take place. And you can't have that uh, and hold to any of the other rapture views. Right. So if Christ can can, can come at any moment, it's been 2,000 years, Mm -hmm. uh, then it has to be pre-trib. 
Right, because the <clears throat> the other tribulational views, you're you're going to see either the apostasy, you're going to see uh, the Antichrist rise up, the mark of the beast, all, all these other signs that are going to happen. Yes. You're going to see a peace treaty with Israel that's right. going to be made by the Antichrist. And so imminency, you know, from my understanding is, you know, he could come today. He could come five years from now. And, and so I think everybody's really tying when the re return of Christ is going to happen based off the signs and getting confused with the return of Christ versus the rapture of Christ. Well, uh, the early church clearly believed in imminency. Okay. But and most of them thought they were in the tribulation. Hmm. And, and that's there are a couple of guys that made some statements that sounded pre-trib, and, and even we have we have a guy that's been doing research and reading the five hundred volumes of Greek and Latin oh, church wow. history that have never been uh, translated into English. Mm -hmm. And he's come up with, uh, we're up to about 70 mm -hmm. pre-trib rapture statements all the way to, from the late, well, actually the second, the 200s, yeah, all the way up, you know, to Darby, because oh, wow, everyone wow. understands the role of Darby. And they're solidly throughout the church ages. Different people have held diff, uh, mm -hmm. the, this view. So it's not that Darby invented this. Is this is a view that was held back in the early church period? Well, yeah, but they were in a different situation. But many thought they were in the tribulation because of the tense persecution that they were right. experiencing. So they made they believed in imminency, though. See, that's the point. Oh yeah, yeah. The early church believed in imminency and that Christ could come at any moment. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, rescue them from uh, their situations. But in 313, Constantine Christianized, you know, the Roman Empire, and we went right. from about 8% Christians to around 98% oh, wow, yeah. within a 35-year period. And, of course, then amillennialism came on the scene mm -hmm. because they thought they were in the kingdom. Right. No, that that definitely makes sense, you know, especially when you're looking at the rise of uh, the Catholic Church under Constantine and things like that. Exactly. So, one of the things as far as, again, I'm a pre-trib guy and, and imminency is a big thing for me as far as proving and revealing the, you know, the pre-trib rapture. But when I look at passages like John 20, 21, I believe it is, where Jesus tells Peter that he's going to be crucified but yet there's still words before Peter's crucifixion saying that Jesus Christ could rapture the church at any moment. Would Peter's crucifixion not be a sign that needed to be fulfilled before Jesus returned? What are your well, thoughts on that? Yeah, since John was written around AD 80, mm -hmm. that was something that had, uh, you know, long passed. Okay. In other words, Peter... All the disciples, the 12 disciples died before AD 70, except for John. Oh, right. Yeah. So he, uh, that wasn't an issue, really. He was just reporting what Jesus told him. Okay. So that's just more or less, he's just quoting Peter when he's right. writing that. Okay. That makes sense. Another one that I'm thinking of, I think of too, is like, Israel's union in 1948, I believe it is. Like Ezekiel talks about Israel becoming a statehood. Now, I don't know if some people pull this out saying, oh, this needed to happen first, but that doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus Christ can't come back until then, does it? Does this have any role in imminency as well? 
Well, the rapture could have happened and then Israel could have become a nation. You know, there could have. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, I lean toward the view that aren't a fricking bomb holes that mm-hmm. there uh, the Jews leave the land in the middle of the tribulation. And it talks about burning the instruments for seven years. So it's very likely the rapture could happen at least three and a half years before the tribulation even starts. Mm. So uh, Clarence Larkin in his book 110 years ago said that uh, he thought there would be a 50 year interval between the rapture and the start of the tribulation. Mm. And so, you know, that in their minds, they were solving the question that you just asked with an interval of time between the rapture and the start of the tribulation. And we have loose ends even today, even though Israel has been uh, a nation for over 70 years mm-hmm. uh, that need to be developed until the tribulation could start with the signing of the covenant between the revived Roman antichrist and mm-hmm. the nation of Israel. Right. Definitely. And, and they, they need a temple too, because if the antichrist is going to defile a temple that needs to be built, so it's it's fascinating seeing what's going on over in Israel with the Temple Institute and the Red Heifer that yes. came back online a few months back and, and just the Levites and everything for the temple process ready to go with the different instruments. And so it's it's fascinating to see where we are in history. Yeah, well, I wrote a book with Randall Price in the early 90s called Ready to Rebuild. Yeah, okay. And we interviewed uh, Randy Speaks Hebrew. And uh, he interviewed uh, two rabbis that have never talked to a Gentile back in those days. Oh, wow. In in Hebrew. And they all were looking forward to the temple being rebuilt. And, uh, and the general secular Israel is afraid mm-hmm. of the temple being rebuilt. And so they're, they're really down on it because they're afraid that it will bring wrath from the other nations down on them and from the uh, Muslims. Right. Cause they got the dome of the rock that's up near that, that area by the Western wall. It's gotta go. That's yeah. where, see that when we, we delved into this, this history and the dome of the rock was built by Omar mm-hmm. to preserve the site of the temple. And, you know, they didn't have photographs or anything back in those days. And they built what they thought was something, you know, like a temple. There's nothing else like it in Islam. Mm -hmm. And so it was it was built to preserve early in Islam when they didn't have all these traditions against that. uh, They built that in order to preserve the site of the temple. Huh. Fascinating. But yeah, I can imagine the the concern that like the Orthodox, well, not the Orthodox, but the, the secular Jews would have trying to rebuild this this temple uh, with, you know, the Islamic presence that is currently there. I mean, you see right. what's going on even this past week over in Israel. Uh, as far as these different views of the rapture, now you're the director of the pre-trib research center. So I imagine, like you already said, you're a pre-trib guy, but what are some of the strongest reasons why you're a pre-trib believer? Well, one of the strongest reasons is because the 70th week of Daniel is for Israel. Okay. It says that in Daniel 9, 24, uh, for your people in your city, who's, who's Daniel's people, Israel, and whose city, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And it gives six infinitives in verse 24 that have to be completed until the Messiah will come. Well, at the end of the 
uh, it just so happened that on the end of the 69th week of years, uh, Jesus, that ended on the day of the triumphal entry. Mm -hmm. And he, it says in verse 26, you know, after these things, and uh, he'll be cut off and have nothing. And that's an excellent description of, of his death and have nothing. So at the end of the 69 weeks of years, uh, none of these six infinitives from verse 24 were, were fulfilled. Right. And, and so we now know from the New Testament, it says four times that the church age was a period of time hidden. Mm -hmm. It's not ever referred to in the Old Testament. And it was introduced the night before Jesus died in the Upper Room Discourse in John 14, 1 through 3, where he also uh, introduces the rapture. And, and everything that he talks about, uh, two-thirds of the way through John 13, when Judas leaves the room, uh, is brand-new church age truth all the way through chapter 17. Mm. Chapter 17 was on the Mount of uh, the mountain of uh, Mount of Olives, <clears throat> but all of that is he introduces the church for the first time, mm -hmm. and it's you know a few hours later he was killed, mm -hmm. and because he was setting things up uh, uh, to deal with the new church age that was coming, and and those mysteries which were always part of God's plan. Right. Uh, they're not mysterious. They're simply hidden parts of God's plan that he now began to reveal. Mm -hmm. And so that's the logic for the preacher of rapture is in order for God to finish his plan for Israel, mm -hmm. which there are probably thousands, but definitely hundreds of prophecy passages that, you know, uh, mainly the book of Revelation, for example, uh, chapters four through the end right. about things that are supposed to happen. And by the way, there's over 550 uh, allusions in the book of Revelation to the, to the Old Testament. And the book of Revelation, in a sense, organizes all of these unfulfilled prophecies scattered throughout Psalms hmm. and the Old Testament, and even Deuteronomy and places like that. And so it organizes a lot of these passages into a sequential thing once you understand hmm the book of Revelation and identify the location of those Old Testament passages. Every Old Testament prophet, except for Jonah, uh, mm -hmm. has a future prophecy about relating to Israel. So that sets us up for the events of the tribulation. And so the church age has hardly any prophecy in it. It just has a, a description or so about the, the course of the age. It will be the church will grow and get global but it'll become increasingly apostate as time goes on and there are seven major passages in the new testament epistles there one in james and the other in the the last epistles of paul and peter talking about the end time the apostasy and how the church will become increasingly apostate even though it will become global and so christendom christendom means anything related to christianity is the largest religion in the world by over a half a billion over Islam. Wow. Wow. Uh, so one of the arguments I've heard as far as like a, a mid-trib view or a pre-wrath type view is this focus on the trumpet, 
focus on the trump now in first thessalonians chapter four uh, we're told that you know with the trump of god in the middle of that rapture passage is when the rapture is going to happen is that the same trumpet as in first corinthians 15 as well as in uh first thessalonians 4 6 are they the same ones and do these tie into the trumpet judgments of revelation or is that trumpet in the rapture passage in chapter 4 thessalonians something completely different yeah it, it is completely different different context all of this in fact, the last trumpet, the seventh trumpet, gives uh, <clears throat> rise to the uh, uh, seal judgments, or mm -hmm. I'm sorry, the bowl judgments, okay. which are seven. You know, it just doesn't make any sense. And so that is a passage that uh, is simply saying, you know, like we used to say in school, the last bell. Oh, well, every, every school day, there was a last bell, you know, day after day after day. Mm -hmm. And so th this is how it identifies the end of the church age. In other words, that in fact, in First Thessalonians four, the the, the major rapture passage. Mm -hmm. By the way, Paul's first epistle was Galatians, mm -hmm. and then his next two epistles were First and Second Thessalonians. Mm -hmm. So right off the bat, so to speak, he introduces the rapture and the church's eschatology mm -hmm. uh, there in First and Second Thessalonians, and so. You have uh, the rapture that ends the church age, mm -hmm. and this is this is this is why you have this kind of sophisticated program of God. Where it's the only time in history he's got two peoples of God, so to speak, mm -hmm. that he's functioning with the church, right. because of Israel's disobedience, is set aside. Even though there's always been Jewish, by the way. Uh, it's estimated 30 percent uh, in the first century of Jews accepted Christ as their Messiah. Oh wow! And so that it was a minority, but it was a significant wow. one. In fact, yeah. the first 15 bishops of Jerusalem were all Jewish, <laughs> and so there's always been Jewish believers in the church. And uh, I've got a, a friend who went back to Israel and a Jewish guy in 1948, and he said there are only six. Jewish Christians in Israel in 1948. And uh, now there are uh, tens of thousands of Jewish Christians that will be taken uh, at, the, at the rapture. And as usual, I forgot where I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're, so what you're was totally the question? You, we were talking about the trumpet and you were talking about the last school bell every day and how right. the Trump in first Thessalonians four is really calling out the, the end of the church age. And it's yeah, that's right. It's got three events. It's got yeah. the, the, the call or the word from God, the father down, you mm -hmm. know, like we've both been in the military, just like our commander would give the call and it passed down through the sergeants and then it was given to the troops. You see, it's something like that in my opinion yeah where it goes down through the echelon and that trumpet is as it's the overall uh, command at least in the army i don't know if y'all did much of that in the air force uh, but, <laughs> we were drinking our coffee eating our cinnamon buns <laughs> yeah exactly doing your um your duties our in virtual PT. <laughs> informal way but uh being in the having been in the army uh that you know they would have this echelon uh, that they would pass commands from down, and I think it's something like that. And so that trumpet is when the action is going to actually take place. Okay. Now, 
getting on to the pre-wrath view now from what i understand and correct me if i'm wrong they the pre-wrath view argues that the church is going to survive is going to go through part of the tribulation period but when god's wrath is begun to pour <clears throat> out that's when the church is raptured is right before god's wrath is poured out and i think they get it out of first thessalonians 5 9 but uh is that accurate and is all of the tribulation god's wrath or only the part in revelation that is specifically said to be god's wrath well the statement at the end of chapter six mm -hmm. where you have the first parts of the judgment the uh seal judgments, seal judgments. it has a statement that's referring to all the seal judgments mm -hmm. and it, twice it calls it the wrath of god and so they have to overlook that or come up with some different interpretation. But I believe that that statement, uh, which is given during the sixth seal judgment, mm -hmm. which is a summary of all the seal judgments, uh, okay. therefore the wrath of God begins at the beginning of the tribulation with the white horse, which is the rise of the Antichrist coming on the scene at the beginning mm -hmm. of the tribulation. And that right there, disproves their view okay and this is why you have uh, a lot of so you have before the pre-wrath view you had others who tried to uh say that wrath only began with the sixth seal judgment and so they will put uh the first half if their mid-trib is only the first five but only mm -hmm. four seal judgments you see okay occur and so they can say the second half for example in mid-tribulationism is the wrath of god and so the three-quarter rapture people that you're asking about yeah kind of do the same type of thing so it's essentially a mid-trib position just later in the period yeah exactly now you already talked a little bit about that i don't know if you want to say anything else but uh daniel 9 24 now from what i understand like you said the 70th week of daniel uh, has everything to do with his people and his city, the Jews in Jerusalem, and their six purposes for the Jeru for the tribulation period. Three of them are positive, and three of them are negative. And Dr. Arnold Fruitbaum points that out very well. And and I believe part of that has to do with the unpardonable sin that the Jewish people committed. But uh, so does nine twenty four play roles within the rapture debate? You sort of talked about it earlier because the tribulation period has only to do really with the jewish people could you speak just a little more on that topic yeah well that it does have a role to play because if the first 69 weeks of daniel were for is uh jerusalem and is you know daniel's people mm -hmm. well, the 70th week also would be for them as well mm -hmm. and so you know, it's like a movie. History is like a movie where at the last minute, you know, mm -hmm. the good guys win, so to speak. And right. so you see Israel in unbelief for most of its history. I'm talking about corporately. There's obviously many okay. uh, individual and other examples. But and in fact, we learn from uh, goodness. What is that? Is that? No, it's Hosea, I think. Okay. Three days before the second coming is when the Jews will be saved. Okay. Is that, if I've got that passage. Uh, Hosea brings that up. 
Yes. It says in Hosea 5.15, I will go away and return to my place. This is the Lord speaking. Mm -hmm. Until they acknowledge their guilt and seek my face. Mm -hmm. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. Mm -hmm. And then it says, Come, let six one. Come, let us return to the Lord, for He has torn us, but He will heal us. Mm -hmm. He has wounded us, but He will bandage us. He will revive us after two days, and He will raise us up on the third day. Now, most people take that to be three thousand years, you know, and stuff. But I okay. take it literally uh, that we may live before Him. So let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. His for, uh, going forth is as certain as the dawn, and he will come to us like the rain, like the spring rain watering the earth. And so uh, apparently after mm -hmm. two days, they'll confess their sin during, the, during the, these two days, and then they will rise up on the third day. In other words, uh, and this is what Romans 11, 25 through 27 talks about. So if we go over there, Talks and by the way, it talks about two thirds of the Jews being purged out right. in Zechariah nine, I believe it is, or twelve nine, and mm -hmm. uh, but Romans uh, eleven says, "For I do not want you to be uninformed, brethren." Uh, of the mystery. So the mystery means that it's a new, totally new a revelation not found anywhere else in the Bible. Okay, right. It's not, it's not mysteries in the Bible are not mysterious. They're simply new information. Uh, lest you be wise in your own estimation that a partial hardening has happened to Israel until mm -hmm. The fullness or the full number of the Gentiles has come in. And so this tells us that there is a set number of Gentiles ordained to be saved during okay. the church age. And thus all Israel will be saved, just as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion and he will remove ungodliness from Jacob. And this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So that we learn from other Old Testament passages is once the two thirds had been purged out through the process of tribulation. And that's one of the reasons for the tribulation right. is to purge out the non-elect Jews. It's also uh, revelation three ten. Uh, goodness. And my memory, once again, let me look at that passage gives us another purpose for the tribulation. And it says, uh, because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I will also keep you from the hour of testing. So this is a big pre-trib rapture statement. Mm -hmm. That hour, so he's talking about the tribulation, which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell upon the earth. And we call those earth dwellers, and that's the first of 11 mm -hmm. uses in the book of Revelation. Mm -hmm. And when you read all of those passages about the earth dwellers, that's the term for unbelievers in the tribulation, not a single earth dweller ever gets saved. In fact, the last two references to the earth dwellers says, because their names were not found written in the book of life from the right. foundation of the world. So uh, the, 
that is one of the things to demonstrate that an unbeliever is an unbeliever is an unbeliever. It, you know, it takes the reason you and I believe is the Holy Spirit opened our eyes <laughs> and, and uh, enabled us to believe. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, um, we, um, we're, you know, we're believers. And it's the same for any believer down through church, through history. Okay. Uh, so once again, oh. I forgot what the question was, but <laughs> no, you, you were very clearly explaining Daniel nine twenty four and the row of uh, the 70th week and its purpose within a pre-rapture view. And then you made mention to remnant. And again, as a pre-trib guy, uh, I'm pre-trib, you know, for my studies, there's one other question I've wrestled with at times. If, and, and it goes to the distinction between the church and the Jewish people. So the church is the bride of Christ. Israel is the wife of Jehovah. And so uh, I believe the Jewish people are part of the church, but the church is not part of the Jewish people, right? And so maybe I'm wrong on that. But if the rapture raptures all the believers before the tribulation period, does that mean every Jewish believer is raptured as well and there's no remnant during the tribulation period? What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, all believers, Jew or Gentile, will be raptured, okay. and they, they they will not because they're part of the body of Christ. But uh, then, as I talked about that interval between the rapture thing, I think people will start getting saved. Just think mm-hmm. of this. A lot of, you know, obviously God has to open their hearts, and there'll be a lot of people who are close to believing but didn't quite believe, mm, yeah. and I believe millions of people will start getting saved during that interval. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because most of them apparently, or many of them will be martyred during the uh, seven year tribulation. They'll be killed for their mm-hmm. faith. And uh, therefore you have a whole new program starting. And so God, I believe in the first half of the tribulation uh, mm-hmm. raises up the 144,000 in the first half. And that's part of, of the evangelism that's going on. And Paul, the apostle Paul says he was one who was born out of due time. Mm-hmm. And I think that that means that, uh, he's early born. In other words, right. uh, a surprise. And I think the 144,000 are going to be like 144,000 apostle Paul's. Oh, okay. Preaching the gospel all around the world. And then you have the two witnesses in the first half of the tribulation that are going to be preaching to Israel. Mm-hmm. And as you know, they're going to be supernaturally protected for the first three and a half years. Then God allows them to be killed. And then after three days, you know, they're, they're having a party. The world right. is so tired of them. Uh, and so they, as you know, the Jews and the Arabs, they bury a guy, a person on the day they die, mm-hmm. you know, the, they don't let their body go past 24 hours, you know, right. except for unusual reasons. Uh, and so therefore it was an insult to let their bodies lie in the street for three and a half mm-hmm. days. And so they're having a party They're so happy these guys are gone and then god resurrects them as you know right the scripture says and they're shocked ends the party and then they are raptured it's the greek word harpazo there Mm -hmm. up into heaven and so the second half of the tribulation is 
when the Antichrist goes into the temple and he apparently has a, has an agreement with Israel in the first half of the tribulation. Mm -hmm. And, but in the first half of the tribulation, half of the earth's population dies. But so the, the temporary peace is just with Israel there. Okay. Not with the rest of the world. And then you have uh, uh, that thing in Matthew 24 that says, when you see the, the abomination which causes desolation, flee. Right. And it says, don't even, you know, if you got something on the side of the field, don't even get that. Why? Because they're going to go to Petra and God's going to supernaturally uh, preserve them like he did uh, in the, in the kind of the second um, wilderness war warning where he's going to provide food and clothing and all of that in Petra. Yeah. And so you, you have, all these detail, yeah. <laughs> which the average Christian knows nothing about. And when you start taking the Bible seriously and you, you start going over these, especially the prophets, the Old Testament prophets and everything, yeah. then you see a framework that's, that's developed uh, that the book of Revelation guides you through and expands upon all the details. And you have a pretty complicated thing. Whereas the church age, doesn't have this kind of stuff yeah no and i, I think it's micah and uh, it talks about uh basra which is this other word for uh uh petra and then you get revelation 12 where the woman gives birth to the child and and, and uh it takes uh what 42 months later 1260 yes. days or something like that and he flees into the wilderness where he's divinely protected and so In fact, there's a bit a village right neck i've been there okay uh, called Basra. Okay. Now there's a Basra in Iraq. Mm -hmm. That's that's a large city, mm -hmm. but this is a little village at the entry into uh, what it, what we call Petra. Petra. Yeah. Yeah. Petra was was named around the time of Christ. Now, now Petra, that that's the uh, the city that we're familiar with in Indiana Jones. Yes. That's By the way, I went to high school with that girl in that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, in, in Maryland, my father worked in Washington D.C. for four years, and oh, really? In my, in my high school class, Karen, Karen Allen, yeah. Oh, cool. You're I didn't know her, but there were only a thousand in my graduating class. But you said it, you're from Maryland? No, I'm from Austin, Texas, and my father was director of state federal relations for the state of Texas for four years. Okay. Uh, you mentioned D.C. I was like, oh, I'm from Maryland. I was like, I wonder where you are. You are. You're from Maryland. Yeah. Clinton. OK. You familiar with Clinton? Is. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, we got out of there while getting was good. So I lived in Seabrook. I've Lanham, never heard of Seabrook. Lanham, Seabrook area. OK. Awesome. Right, right outside the Beltway. But <clears throat> oh, yeah, okay. the Beltway. All right. So understanding okay the jewish people they will be raptured with the church but during the 144,000 evangelistic campaign and then the last sign of jonah that jesus spoke about to the jewish people the two witnesses uh I, I could definitely see that being a conversion moment for the jewish people they're fleeing and they're protected until the end when they will acknowledge jesus and call for him back uh another question i want to see if you had any other thoughts uh but me and many other people believe that when the rapture does happen, that 
the Antichrist and the people are going to try to explain it away by UFOs and alien abductions. Uh, are there any other hypotheses as far as how they'll be able to explain away the rapture besides UFOs and aliens? You know, uh, I don't know of any others. Uh, you know, that is, those have been the main <laughs> things. We don't really know. If you, I just saw the new Left Behind movie, which I thought was very, very good. I yeah. really think Tim LaHaye would have liked it. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, he 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 didn't like the first one, mm -hmm. you know, because they didn't give the gospel in it. But mm. nevertheless, and he sued them to prevent them from doing more. But uh, oh. <laughs> that, that's a whole nother story. Yeah. <laughs> but ne nevertheless, uh, they, I forget they had some kind of a thing. And then they said a second rapture happened, mm -hmm. which I thought was very interesting, although it didn't oh. really happen, you know, but they were trying to uh, help explain that away in that way. I thought that was pretty ingenious. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. Right. Beyond the, the space brothers came and took them, you know? Right. Yeah. I don't know. Have you ever heard of the, what was it? The Philadelphia experiment? many many no. years ago no. apparently sort of like the manhattan project that was uh they worked on the uh, atomic bomb uh the philadelphia experiment was supposedly this experiment that created invisibility that there was a ship that was actually cloaked invisible and they never found it again sort of like bermuda triangle devil's triangle type yeah. stuff so i don't know <laughs> no, maybe that's another that. theory too sort of like the philadelphia experiment you know uh invisibility and in bermuda triangle disappearances but now it's fascinating so pre-trib mid-trib pre-wrath post-trib any other trib that comes out the last question does it really matter what view a christian holds to the tribulation yes why why not well, yes, it does, because if the Bible teaches a particular view and you don't hold that view, then you're not biblical. And, Does it matter? Uh, I'm sorry, go on. And I'm, I'm sure there are ramifications from that. See, that's why you have, that's where eminency is developed from, mm. because we have like a dozen passages where it teaches that we're looking for Christ. We're waiting for Christ. And if you're any other view of the rapture, you're waiting for the beginning for the antichrist in essence. And uh, the antichrist has to come before Christ can come. So why do all of these passages tell you to, to wait or they're waiting? It's always the term waiting is used. Even in Titus two thirteen, looking for the blessed hope. That is a form of mm -hmm. waiting with a preposition on the front. So it's the same Greek word for waiting. It's just intensified hmm. and really looking is not a good translation. It's wait eagerly waiting. I would translate it for the blessed hope and appearing of our great God and savior, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And so that's who we are waiting for. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't help but think of uh, Peter. Uh, we just got done looking at Peter in his second epistle talking about, you know, be sure that you're, you're, found in him without spot and blameless you know and so if you know that jesus christ is coming tomorrow then we're going to clean everything up but if we don't know when we need to make sure we're living the good faithful christian life we're called to live so yeah they've done studies and workers that have either video cameras or the boss often comes in 
they work harder and do a better job than people that are don't have that kind of uh, situation. And the same is true mm-hmm. for us. Uh, in other words, if Christ could come at any moment, and it's been two thousand years, so that, you know, and we see Israel back in the land, we see, we see what what I call uh, stage setting, mm-hmm. and we're seeing the pieces that are going to be in place before, uh, you know, after the rapture, uh, Israel's back in the land, for example, which I call God's super sign of the end times. <laughs> and they've been there for over 70 something years. And uh, we kind of, you know, when that first happened, there was extreme excitement among uh, Christians. Mm. But now it's been time enough for them to calm down and uh, all right. kinds of people say, well, I thought Jesus was going to come. And, you know, it's been 50. In fact, my wife and I, we've been married over 50 years and uh, we were hopeful that we'd be able to get married before the rapture occurred <laughs> 50 years ago. <laughs> there is tremendous, we did, <laughs> there is tremendous expectation back in those days of the yeah. Jesus movement that, that we were involved in. And, uh, you know, we, and yet I see the preacher of rapture doctrine dying today increasingly because of all kinds of other reasons and so people are are, even in the church are not expecting christ to return at any moment no well i appreciate you know you answering all these questions for us on uh the pre-trib and all the other questions that we had regarding other views and imminency uh as we close up this interview are there any final words comments anything you want to button up before we say goodbye to everybody tommy well I think in the last two or three years in the United States, there's been a greater expectation uh, for Christ's return as we see, uh, see down through history, there's once you had uh, 313 and, and the Roman empire, you know, uh, take, take things over. Mm-hmm. That's when the expectation for Christ's return died out over the next 25 years. And the, the church was settling in, but there's always been a location from which Christianity has emanated from. Okay. And, you know, you can get, look down ch- through church history and with the United States going pagan at a fa- very fast rate, there's no longer going to be an area where that's come from. And that could be an indication that the Lord's ready to return. But on the other hand, uh, for example, I've I've gone to Brazil five or six times over the years. Mm. And I remember 50 years ago, Brazil had 10% evangelicals. And now they're up to like 42% or something. Oh, wow. In 50 years, you see. And that that has a lot of political uh, ramifications. The president was an evangelical and they stole the election from him, you know, just like they did in the United States and things. And so they, they don't need, the world doesn't need American Christianity like it used to, or British Christianity before American Christianity, or, yeah. you know, the Byzantine empire for a thousand years that emanated Christianity and everything, because so many areas have matured and are ready on their own, no, ma- no matter what happens. And mm-hmm. so, uh, you know, I, 
it's another kind of it illogical, I guess you'd say, but uh, depends on your presuppositions uh, mm -hmm. reason why I'm expecting Christ's return at any moment. Yeah, I know we just recently looked at the whole aspect of the World Economic Forum and the, right. looking at the one world government establishment and COVID and what happened during that, according to the WEF's uh, statements, then digital currency, digital IDs, social credit score. And I'm with you. I, I think the Lord's uh, rapture is going to be coming a lot sooner than we expect it to. See, uh, all of that state setting and preparation. Mm -hmm. like like never before and you know i remember 50 years ago you'd have one or two events happen a year and we'd get excited <laughs> now one or two events happens every day it yep. seems and and you know things are really moving on yes it does and so with that tommy i thank you for just spending your time with us i know you're a very busy man so we appreciate it uh we'll have links uh for your ministries in the descriptions box below and uh, for everybody else, thanks for checking us out. Don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, blah, 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 blah. And God bless.